Before I start the reading, I just want to thank Barbara and all of you who are doing such a beautiful job to manage the financial side of our community. It's just a terrific lot of work, and we're so grateful. Barbara, Phyllis, Don, Ritter, all of you, thank you. So reading from John 5. So, because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. Thank you, Laura. So this is the second of our Lent series uh, of talks, looking at the idea of putting our attention on others during Lent, rather than continually worrying about ourselves. You know, that idea, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You know, most of the time we're thinking about ourselves and how we're reacting and responding to things. But I'm suggesting that during this period of Lent, we turn it around to put our attention on others a bit more. Because a lot of the time, you know, we are basically living in our heads. You know, we might be thinking about others. In fact, we might be thinking the most enlightened thoughts we could possibly think. Have a, we're still in our heads rather than being out there you know, in the real world. I was, a talk, I was talking to a group of people uh, this week uh, about our theme for the year, uh, which was gr- going deeper. Because you can be as enlightened as you like, but if it's only in your head, it's just not going to make any difference at all. You know, throughout history, people have always made plans and done things And whereas the things we do are important, and they do take us forward, the things that really make a difference are the things that come from the depths that we operate as a human being. The one thing about ourselves that makes a difference is is the depth from which we come. If we come from our heads, we're just dealing in a surface level, that 
old joke I said a few weeks ago, in the spirit, you know, how the spiritual life is very much like a swimming pool. All the noise comes from the shallow end. And our thoughts are like that. You know, our thoughts go round and round. But that's not to say that all the plans we make and all the good deeds we do, you know, will necessarily change anything. They might, but on the other hand, you know, we can just end up doing the equivalent of rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. It's going to go down in the end and we're going to make it feel a bit better. If it's just all so much busyness, then it doesn't really have an effect. And there's nothing to say that that we can definitely make a difference. Because I think that's what we're all trying to do, to make a difference to our world. There's nothing to say that we can make a difference. You know, not the amount of money we have, not the fact that we live in Aspen or Snowmass or the Valley. You know, not the fact that we have the Aspen Institute here or the music festival or that people love to come here or that we have a mind, body and spirit ethic. None of that actually necessarily is going to make the difference. It's not necessarily going to have an effect. Nor will any of, you know, the services we have here, our community efforts, none of it will make a difference unless, unless we're willing ourselves to change and come at our lives from a deeper place. And by that I mean reframing the context that we approach life. Reframing the context within which we approach life. To recognize our own personal shortcomings and our limited horizons. And be willing to let go into a deeper self that's within us all and and really to operate from that perspective. That's what's going to make a difference. Because so many people in the world are just operating from that shallow perspective. And very few people are willing to absolutely be conscious of what's going on and live from a deeper perspective. And it's not something, you know, we can just give lip service to. It means each of us individually making that decision to operate from a deeper place. And for me, as I said before, it means going deeper into my practice you know, and recognizing that, you know, with myself, my practice is often very much on the surface. You know, it gives lip service to mindfulness and meditation, but sometimes it doesn't plunge deep enough. There's not enough, you know, wanting for nothing, willing nothing, and knowing nothing that Meister Eckhart suggests. Instead, you know, there's plenty of patting myself on the back for doing it, affirming the value of it, and feeling good about how righteous I am for doing my practice every day, which I do. And then there's the lack of depth in my day-to-day living, you know, relying on plans, going through the motions, you know, much of it existing in my head rather than connecting with my heart. You know, plans, ideas, organization, you know, they're all just thoughts, really. They're all just ideas, mental activity. Right here and now, all these ideas that we're talking about They're really, again, just ideas. What really means something is the depth of connection that we share in this moment. That's what really means something. The recognition, and we have to recognize that we do have our own thoughts and feelings, the acknowledgement of everybody else here, the shared reality that we create together, the acknowledgement there is that there's more here than just us. And in a chapel, you can do that. You can acknowledge there is more here than just us, more here than our thoughts and our feelings. There is a greater consciousness here, and we all share in that. 
And that can guide us into a more loving way of living life. And that's the depth that I'm talking about. We need to be living at this deeper level. And not just in meetings, not just here. We need to do it in our day-to-day lives, realizing that this level of consciousness is what we need to be realizing at all times and in all places, in our work life, in our family life, as we go about our days. So much of the time we're in our heads, planning, organizing, and thinking. And that depth is the decision to be in our hearts. You know, thinking yes, feeling yes, sharing yes, but allowing that greater consciousness to come in. And it's this depth, if we can live at that level, that will enable us to make the contribution that I think we all of us aspire to make. And I think that's why I'm saying this year we just have to go deeper. And really, to go deeper in this way, we really have to have our attention out, away from our own preoccupations on and on that which is around us. And it's only then that we can really take our place in the world. Yes, we have to acknowledge what's happening in our lives. Yes, we have to be aware of that. But that has to be only a part of the picture. The real connection with the world comes when we have our attention out, and that includes everything around us. And it's only then that we're really in the game. And it's then we actualize the fact that all things in life are interconnected, and we become a part of that interconnectedness. We, you know, we actualize the non-duality as, as opposed to it just being an idea. I've mentioned before that phrase that Jesus used in, in the reading that Laurel had. I only do what I see my father doing. And I think that that idea, I only see, I only do what I see the father doing, it's such a telling idea. Jesus is saying that he's not just making it up as he goes along. He's not just doing what he, what, what he, what he thinks is, is what's going on in his head. He's not just reacting to that. He's not just thinking it through and acting. He's actively engaging at looking to see what the Father's doing. That's, that's what he says he's doing. He's actually actively looking to see what's going on. How is that consciousness moving? And of course, what he means by the Father here is that ground of all being, that essence of all life, you know, that bigger self, that, that shared consciousness that I've been talking about. The engine of all evolving and creating reality. That's what I'm talking about. That which is the engine that is making happen, the evolving and creating of reality. That which makes up everything we see, everything we hear, everything we're aware of. Because you have to remember that everything that you see and feel and touch and hear and smell and taste, all those things that we see, feel, hear, touch and taste, everything that makes our consciousness is actually really just a product of the mind. It's the mind interpreting consciousness as opposed to a direct experience of consciousness. And that's the difference between living on a shallow level and going deeper. It's the realization that everything that we see, everything we feel, everything we touch is, is the mind's interpretation of what's out there. That's what it means when in Buddhism it says 
that everything is an illusion. In Buddhism, it says everything is an illusion. It's talking about the way the mind interprets it. I've got a great quote here from the Buddha. He says, Know all things to be like this. Know all things to be like this. A mirage, a cloud castle, a dream, an apparition without essence, but with qualities that can be seen. Know all things to be like this. As the moon in the bright sky, in some clear lake reflected, though to that lake the moon has never moved. All reality is like a moon reflected in a lake. Know all things to be like this. There's an echo that derives from music and weeping, yet in that echo really is no melody. Know all things to be like this, as a magician makes illusions of horses, oxen, cans, and other things, nothing is as it appears. And that is an important realisation. That is what the illusion means. Nothing is really as it appears. It is the mind interpreting consciousness. The word illusion comes from two French words, illudere, which means in, which means against, and ludere, which means to play. Literally, an illusion It means to play against, to mock. We're mocked by everything that we see out there. We're essentially being mocked by our brain as it interprets out there. In fact, the truth of the matter is, you know, it's all little electrons going on in here, interpreting signs that come in through our eyes, all that sort of business. In fact, we are in a closed virtual reality machine where the brain is approximating what it's perceiving through its senses, what it senses out there. It's an approximation. And yes, it works. You know, when I, when I tap the lectern, you can hear it. Yeah, he's tapping the lectern. The lectern's solid. It's making a noise. You can see me doing it. But in reality, you're just sensing that part of it that the brain is allowing you to see and hear, that over the years of evolution, us as, as animals have created that possibility of us hearing that. Insight, insight is the ability to see beyond that. From the Scandinavian inskit, which literally means inner sight. Insight. Inner sight, that's where it comes from. Jesus, when he says he only does what he sees the Father doing, is talking about insight. He's talking about inner sight. The ability to see beyond what the senses are telling us. It's beyond that 3D virtual reality machine. For as we know, you know, what the senses tell us could be different, as different from seeing things in black and white rather than in colour. We could just be seeing everything in black and white. You know, what we're appreciating could be the same as hearing in mono rather than in stereo. It could be the same as seeing things in three dimensions rather than in four. We don't know what we're not seeing and not hearing. You know, I have a, I do a course here called Developing Consciousness. In fact, I'm doing it again over Easter. If anyone wants to come on it, eight weeks. And the tagline is, Cat Seymour... 
dogs hear more, therefore there must be more. And this course explores what that more might be. So I'm suggesting that everything we see, everything we hear, everything we feel, everything we touch is really just an interpretation of the mind, the mind's interpretation. And we're fed into that. And then we, we get given the picture, we get given the, 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 you know, the hearing and all that sort of business. And I'm saying that actually might be the black and white, that there might be a color out there as well, that we might be looking at things in 3D rather than 4D. The inner sight is what we begin to develop when we take our attention away from our own small worries and preoccupations. And you begin to experience literally the bigger picture, bigger than just what's going on. It is the decision to exist in five dimensions. You have the length, width, height, depth and breadth, which represent the three dimensions. And then you have time, which really we experience as the fourth dimension beyond all that. And then the fifth dimension is the interconnected non-duality that is the nature of unitive consciousness. That is the fifth dimension. The interconnected non-duality that is the nature of unitive consciousness. You know, to put it simply, here I am in space, here I am in time, and with that I include everything that holds all that together. Whether you call, you know, whether you, whatever you call that. I'm, I'm in time, I'm in space, But then there is everything that is holding time and space together, whether you call that God or the self or whatever. That is the level that we have to connect with and live with. The fifth dimension is that reality. The other four dimensions, the other four dimensions, the length, breadth, all that stuff, and time, are in fact illusions created by the brain to explain what's out there. It is an explanation as to what's out there. You know, we know that we've gone into the fact that time is an illusion. There is only now. It's not the past. And it's the same with space. And we've talked about that before. And because of those illusions, we convince ourselves. Because of those illusions, we convince ourselves that we're separate from everything else. We convince ourselves that we're separate. And therefore, we have to worry and strive about what's going on in order to survive because we're separate. In the fifth dimension, there is no separateness. And therefore, there is nothing to survive. You know, do not worry about the, what the birds of the air, all that stuff Jesus says. That is, that is why not worrying. Don't worry about what you wear. It's because you're, there's a connectedness, there's a perfection. So having got, you know, having got that idea, we need to really look at, at what it means to live in that dimension. And to do what we see the Father doing. And and really, it's all in that reading. People say, I want more preaching on scripture. That's what I'm doing. (laughs) Jesus says, my Father is always at his work. And this very day, I too am working. This is from the reading that Laura read. The Father is always at his work. And to this very day, I too am working. And that gives... I too am working, gives Jesus, it gives a sense of Jesus participating in the evolving world. It is the, it, he is participating, working in the evolving world. Evolution is going on all around Jesus and he is part of that evolution. Because, as I said, we say here, it is an evolution of consciousness. And he is 
working at that evolution of consciousness. That's what he means there, of going from the illusion of the four dimensions to the fifth dimension. He's talking about that for himself. And when he talks about that for himself, he's showing us what our job is to do. It is to live in that way. It is to work at the evolution of consciousness. The sun can do, it goes on to say, the sun can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. And there is the wider horizon. Do not worry about tomorrow or your clothes or to where you lay your head. Take a wider view and look outside yourself as to what's really going on. See if you can have insight, inner sight as to what the father is doing. And you have to get out of yourself to do that. Can you just sense what's going on and then act from that? For the father, he goes on to say, for the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. There is the expanded vision that Jesus is talking about, that we will be amazed by the inner sight, by the insight that we get, if we could open our eyes beyond those four dimensions. The Father shows the Son all he does and more by having that insight. That is the horizon we have open to ourselves too. And that's the depth that we're being asked to move towards. And then he talks about the power of that inner vision. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Even as the father raises the life, even so the son gives life to whom he pleases to give it. All life comes from God. You know, We know we come from dust and to dust we shall return. And just as we're raised up to live, live, in life by God and in that fifth dimension. So we are also, just as Jesus, given the power in that dimension to give life. Jesus is saying in living in that place, the son can also give life. And he's saying in, do, in saying that, he's saying that the way that you have an effect on life is to come from that deeper depth. Because you too can give life if you're willing to come from that deeper place. We're given the power to create as Jesus was. We're given that power to create, but we can only change things if we acknowledge that that fifth dimension, that greater self. And that's where real creativity takes place. You know, in the creativity course, we've been talking about connecting with the divine and creating. And it is in that fifth dimension that creativity takes place, not moving the deck chairs on the Titanic, but the creativity that enables that evolution of consciousness to advance. Where we really put our shoulders to the plough and something happens rather than just talking about it. For as the father has life in himself, so has he granted the son also to have life in himself. That's us being given the ability to live in that fifth dimension, to, to transcend those four dimensions. Just that all that's around us is teeming with life also. If we were able to get beyond the smallness of our own preoccupations and the illusion of separation that our minds create for us, so we will take on life in that fifth dimension and become one with it. That is the task. And that's what it means to live in eternal life. You're living in that fifth dimension. And that is what Jesus means by the kingdom of heaven. And that's why heaven is this world clearly seen. That's why heaven is this world clearly seen. That's what it really means to be present, to live with our attention out 
is not just some altruistic way of living that helps others at sacrifice to ourselves. What it really is, is a means to be fully actualized as a human being. I'm on the last page, so if you're feeling a sense of separation from your world, and here I am. It's about to end, although it will never end because we're always in the now. It's never going to end. We're always going to be here. You'll always have to be forced to listen to me for eternity. (laughs) And the way you do this is to realize the importance of being conscious to what's really going on, to realize what the Father's doing. You know, we have to be aware of our feelings and our thoughts. We have to pay the bills. We have to be aware of what's going on in front of us and around us. And by being aware of that, fifth dimension at the same time, then you become taken up into the present moment and you see what you have to do here is, is, is the most important thing. You begin to see what the Father is doing and that is more important about what you think about anything else. It's, you know, there's a place for thinking of planning, but there is really a, that secondary to what I said at Christmas was called the sacrament of the present moment. That is to live in the fifth dimension. The sacrament, sacrament, literally the holy invocation of God into this present moment. The sacrament of the present moment. And as we open ourselves to our spiritual nature and our human nature, we become aware of the holy invocation, the sacrament, the holy calling of God into the present moment, of the Father calling us to see what he is doing. And that's what it means to live in the fifth dimension. That's what we aspire. Even when our minds say, when's he going to get off? Even when we think, oh, what's in the reception? It's to continue to live in that present moment, to be aware of that connection that we have and not to be concerned with what's going on in our minds. Let's pray. And we just pray for all the pettiness that goes on in life that leads to anger, heartache and fear. Continue to pray for all those affected by the Parkland shooting. Pray for families in Syria, in war-torn countries where there is difficulty and bloodshed and people just having to survive. Pray for those in hospitals, in prisons, in schools, all over the country, all over the world. We pray that a sense of that peace and love may come through our leaders and come through ourselves and and have that deeper effect on the world. Pray for those in our community, especially pray for Patricia Nichols, for Patricia Hill, for Will Welsh, for Barbara Orcutt, for Tegan Sullivan, for Mary-Kate Brewster, for Saleh, for Lee Bouguet, for Betty Van Der Veer, for Gary Daniel, Sandy St. John, for Father Joseph Boyle and Father Thomas Keating, for Bill Archer, and those that we remember now in our hearts. Amen.